Hello, bonjour, and welcome to this bonus episode of the Don't Waste Water podcast. I'm your host, Antoine Walter, and I'm joined today by my partner in crime, Bjorn Otto, to take on a funny challenge, share with you our 10 bets for 2022. We did all of that live in our monthly water show, so here's the audio replay. I hope you'll enjoy it. The first bet is with you, Bjorn, but we yeah. have an introduction for your bet. Have a look at that one. I truly believe that the format Osmosis Bubble will burst next year in 2022. And the reason why is clearly there is no proof, there is no client base, there is no really movement. And this since more than 10 years. Finally, it has come to an end and in 2022, the Forward Osmosis Bubble will go down. But I'm not saying 100%, I'm saying 70% because of just one reason. Because Trevi System found a way to raise another couple of millions to have another shot to try to prove the system. That's the only reason why I'm not going to 100%. So the concept for today is this simple we have 10 bets so 10 small videos and one of us is going to present that bet here it was Bjorn about the Ford Osmosis and then we discuss a bit about that so I'm just explaining it for the first one and I have yeah. a first question for you Bjorn you mentioned there was this investment difference which makes you think that maybe Ford Osmosis would still be alive can you tell me a bit more because I was wondering when I was watching your introduction the idea was that this will go down due to the fact that we don't have seen any proof, really. I mean, there's one major company which is always in our mind if it comes to forward osmosis, which is Aquaporine, which is really a great company from Denmark. But if you look at the key financials, I mean, in 2018, they were close to 8 million. And meanwhile, they have 5.5. So the numbers go down and we don't see the proof. And that's why I am think, or let's say the good thing is that Aquaporine has also something different in their portfolio not only forward osmosis, but it doesn't look good. The only thing is that there are other players in forward osmosis also just, on the market and they raised a couple of you know, millions a, to come on, on to go further. If, if, if you allow me, uh, just to understand, you said their number goes down, but if True. you're right, it's of, of the turnover which goes down, but the valuation of the company still goes up. So do you know something that the markets don't know? Let's say if I look at the statement, I have the statement already in front of me. I have the balance sheet in front of me, the cash flow. Ha! Ah, it is not so good. And all other forward osmosis companies look same. So the question, is there something happening over the next years, in the next time, in 2022? Definitely something will happen. As I said, the good thing is Aquaporine has more in their portfolio than just the forward osmosis because I believe in the concept of this company. They are really great. But forward osmosis, from the technology point of view, hmm, I'm not sure anymore. Okay, so if I get you right, forward osmosis will be a dead horse next year. And why 70%? The reason was only, I mean, due to the fact that the Treven uh, was raising another, I think, 10 millions, was it, for, for their forward osmosis technology. Maybe we extend a little bit the period of time, but we will have, we will reach the end one day and the one day will be not far away, I would say. Okay, sounds clear for Ford Osmosis. Let's move to number two. And number two is... 
let me use some buzzwords. I've been discussing in the past how the roadmap to digitization has four levels. Level one, you have a digital version of your plant or water network, the famous digital twin. Level two, that digital twin is active and you can run modeling or even artificial intelligence on it. Level three, it runs by itself and gives you some hints at operating your plant. My bet is that we will reach level four on at least one large wastewater treatment plant in 2022. The digital twin will run by itself and actually operate the plant and I'm giving it a probability of 99%. So you see, strong opinion there. I'm pretty sure this happens and more than pretty, this will happen next okay, year. Where will, where will this plant. happen? Where do, why do you think this will happen? Where this will happen? Always. Where's the first installation? Where's the first installation? Where is a good question? But if you look right now, there is a, a debate in the UK because they had this sewer overflow, which were identified by artificial intelligence because they thought that their plants were fully right. And in mm -hmm. fact, there's one thing which artificial intelligence detects much better than any human brain, and that is a pattern. As soon as there's a pattern in the data, AI finds it and identifies it and says, there's something. And that means that if we had let AI run those plants, we could have probably avoided at least a part of these 600 sewer overflows. So would it be the UK because they had terrible experience? I would say for sure it's not going to be the US because there was this problem with data safety last year in Texas. So I don't see them like going back and burning their hands on it. But for sure there will be a plant. And I wouldn't be surprised if that plant was in China or in Middle East, just to show, you know, there is a high challenge with wastewater treatments, and that is the opportunity to go a bit further into this direction of distributed treatments, autonomous units, which are a bit out there and which are really powerful when operated the right way, which might be with AI. I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that, especially not the 99%, because where's the company? Which company should do this? Tell me the company. I mean, you need a data company in yeah. our water sector who is able to run this plant. Show me, where is it? 99%. I mean, it's pretty high. Well, so there should be somewhere. You can go to my podcast feed and you listen to uh, many of them. Actually, I don't believe there's one. I do believe there are like 10 or 20 companies. I, th I think, honestly, the technology is there to run the plant so far they are limited by the acceptance of the market. I mean, going to the level three, it's about telling everyone, you know, you should be moving that valve. You should be adding a bit more of that. You should be putting a bit more of oxygen in your biological tank. You should be putting a bit more or a bit less chemicals. So today, we already have the tools and the software to do that. The only difference is now to say, instead of advising the operator to do it, let's do it and tell the operators, we did it. And then the operator has still the choice to say, no, wait, I correct it, but spontaneously, the AI, the software, the model, whatever you're using would be doing it itself. And to quote Imre Takax on my podcast several months ago, he said, you know, an, a machine is never going to grease a pump. And he was fully right. So mm. I'm not saying we will be disrupting operators and operators will disappear. I'm saying that maybe the plant can run by itself in the middle of the night on a weekend or between Christmas and New Year. Okay. Okay, got it. Got your point. I mean, in principle, what I learned in, during my university time is to design a wastewater treatment plant is not a rocket science. So it's pretty simple, right? You have just a couple of parameters and bring them together and then you know the size, you know, how big the size of the pump, the tank, pump, and everything must be. Why such an easy task for AI? Why not going directly into the, you know, tough 
challenges like industrial water treatment? Why going to, you know, to the municipalities where you have the regulation issue also? I mean, you have to, uh, you have to overcome this. You have to convince the governments, the authorities and things like this to be accepted in the market. And you already mentioned that you need the acceptance and you will not get this. Why not? Why not going directly into to a market where you really have to show the proof? This is it's a fair point. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to happen necessarily in the municipal world. It might be happening in the industry because in the industry, as you said, you might be a bit less constrained by regulation and you can be a bit more, let's say, innovative, which is now a broad way to say it. But there's also other parameters which come into play. Let's say you're an industry and you do something wrong with the environment, then you go to the press. Then, I mean, there might be other consequences. All I'm saying is that the technology allows it already today. And if we are not doing it yet, it's because we don't dare to do it. And it's about daring. And <laughs> if you look at the silver wave right now, we, we are in a sector where more and more knowledge is retiring and a bit less knowledge is entering into the sector. So maybe a part of the solution to the silver wave. And again, I'm not jumping to conclusions saying that AI is going to replace everything. I'm just saying that maybe a portion of the solution might lie in the fact that we allow our tools to help us a bit more. Okay, but I don't see 99%. That means... Honestly, it is, you are saying next year it will come for sure. Yes, yes. Uh, the only reason I left one person open is because I knew you were going to react that way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would love to see one of these plans, which is which are fully automated and operated by AI. So I'm I'm the last one who's against this, but I don't but I don't see it so far because what I see is right now that even the cloud issue was, is not solved. So the supply companies are fighting against each other what to do with data. And that's why it is the open field for all the Grundfos and Vilo coming to the market and getting the data because they're acquiring APCs and OEM contractors. That is exactly predictive maintenance to get the data. So we are on this stage and we are not in the fully AI stage. I, that's um, <laughs> 99% I bet against you. There's a lot to unpack in what you just said. Let's spark a bit of that because I know there's one of your bets which goes in the, into that direction. But yeah, Luca Barardi said also maybe 2023, 24, not next year. I said it's going to be fully automated. I'm not saying it's necessarily AI. It might be modeling. It might be machine learning. It might be a combination of all of those. I'm not just pouring buzzwords at the problem. I'm just saying that the hydraulic models are around since the 80s, 90s. It's it's just stupid that 30 years later, we're still like, you know, are we sure they can do that? Honestly, I'm an hydraulic engineer. All of these models are making hydraulics much better than I will ever do. So you're extending a little bit your time, all right. But I think we are clear. <laughs> we all agree against you that this will not happen. Okay, next one. <laughs> you all, okay. I, I love how you make generalities. Let's move to your third bet and let's take discussion towards okay, the end. Okay, please. I'm predicting in 2022, oh sorry, the iFit exhibition show in Munich will be cancelled. Oh well, okay, to be very clear, I don't believe that they will be cancelled, but I'm pretty sure there is a high chance it will again be postponed to autumn. And the reason why, I mean, look at Germany, look at the numbers, what happened right now. As well, we do have a new government and I'm pretty sure that they have new fancy ideas how to solve this crisis here. 50% chances that the iFit show next year will be postponed. How are you, Captain Obvious? 
<laughs> I mean, look at the fact that, I mean, the numbers are going dramatically up as well. We have a new government and they have to come with, I mean, we really have a new government, right? I think the election is for tomorrow and they will come up with pretty fancy ideas and new ideas. And I think the chances that effort will be postponed is pretty high due to the fact that it is in Bavaria and Bavaria is a hot spot for you know, for the COVID thing we have here in Germany. And that's why there's, you know, there's a high chance that this will, may happen. Other than that, maybe uh, some strong regulations or something will happen, but not as free as, for instance, the Aquatech was last year. That, that's something definitely will happen. It might be that uh, Aquatech is an experience to them because, you know, finding it quite funny and funny with all the quotation marks, we were at Aquatech, we did our show live from Aquatech, none of us was wearing any mask, face mask, yeah. or any kind of stuff like that. And, and just two weeks later, they were talking of lockdowns in, in the Netherlands, which Absolutely. gives a sense of, yeah. I mean, I mean, the good thing is, let's say the good thing for the Eiffel show is that it is uh, end of May, beginning of June next year. So it's pretty late, and it is definitely after the spring period. So... The numbers will be down, but let's say if they are coming up with new ideas, with new lockdowns, with new you know laws, it could be that they extend and extend and they will have an impact on the show. So be aware, I'm just saying 50%, that something could happen with this show again. I don't hope so because you know we have pretty big plans for the show, but it could be. So be prepared. Okay, none of us is epidemiologists, so I propose you to switch back to, to water topics, if that's right with you. <laughs> but it is a water topic, right? If, I mean, we all want to go there. We will all want to meet there. Do so you right? want to reopen the topic of if an exhibition in a trade show is still necessary in 2022? Yeah, but I, I mean, I we already discussed point. it. And I mean, the opinion from our audience was pretty clear, right? So they were all happy that they were be there. So you lost dramatically last, last I, month. I love how you lie. Let's go to bet number four. <laughs> This year, Ecoutier sold Innovice to Autodesk for $1 billion. Does it make it a unicorn? Not fully, as it is no longer privately owned and as its valuation did not exceed $1 billion. Yet, that clearly shows that with rising valuations, the impossible may become possible. Hence, I'm betting that 2022 will see a water sector unicorn join the list of 925 currently existing ones and I'm giving it a probability of 60%. Who will it be? Hmm? That might come in the next bet. Yeah, but I mean, the point is, if you're coming with a, with a thing like this, you have to, you know, we, in Germany, we say Hosenrunde, that means, who is it? Who will it be? Who will be the unicorn? I mean, I have okay. a bet, but I would like to hear your names here. Before that, before giving a name, let's be clear of what we're talking about. I'm a bit picky by saying that Innovise is not the first unicorn just because they're at 1 billion and not 1 billion and $1. So I'm really picky with the definition. So that's the first part. And the second thing is that they are no longer privately owned. So that is really being absolutely picky. That being said, the criterion means that it could be one company rising from the bottom and becoming absolutely brilliant and, and, and huge. Or it could be also your favorite topic, several private company coming together and building something big. And the reason why I'm mentioning that is... That's not a unicorn definition, come on. It is a unicorn. No. I mean, m private capital, which is pushing a company, is a unicorn, basically speaking. And if you look at, that was a business model which wasn't that much existing in the water sector in the past. But remember, with the new Suez, we will have a company which is 
the third largest company and fully privately owned by private capital. I don't say Suez is that unicorn. I'm not cheating with that. I'm just saying that when the biggest companies out there start to adopt that model, it means it gives like like the way. And I, if I remember right, there was an article from Global Water Intelligence a couple of months ago, which was predicting that private capital's engagement would be doubling over the next decade into mm. the water sector. I don't mm. know how they back that. I don't know what's the data which tells them it's going to double and not multiply by 10 or divided by two. But I'm just putting that here. It sounds like there is an appeal for that. It's not, no longer necessarily if you're building something, you will be acquired by a very large company or go to an IPO. It sounds like the third way of building a unicorn is something which becomes one of the targets. And to give you a spoiler into my tomorrow's interview with Luke Butler from Catium, what he said at the very end of the interview is, it's not a matter of, is it possible, but it's a matter of time. And he was speaking of his own company. I bet you Catium is not going to be the unicorn for 2022. They might mm -hmm. be on the longer run, but it's a bit too short for them to become a unicorn next year. But when that mentality starts to, to pour down within the water industry, I think that can make a big difference. You know what? You're talking about Unicorn and you're coming again with these French company names. So I'm not sure what is wrong here. I mean, if it is, let's say, if it is a Unicorn, it must be something disruptive. I mean, this is really what we are Doesn't looking for, right? Yeah, but this no. is, everybody has, yeah, you are talking just about the financial perspective. But let's say Suez to be a unit to put in one sentences with unicorn, I think that is not the right way. So no, for instance, I, 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 tell you, I, I give you a name, I give you a name because, you know, I'm pretty clear more than you are because, you know, a disruptive technology is a technology who is able to enter into the market and all other fall apart. And that could be, for instance, that could be, you know, the online monitoring for uh, bacteria. That could be one market because there's one company who's able to measure bacteria in a second and others take two to three days. So this is disruptive. This is something completely new. And this could be a unicorn for 2022 with the companies called Orb, right? So... This is some, this is, you know, this is a company you should put on list and not Suez again. Come on. No, no, don't make me say what I didn't say. I didn't put Suez on the list. I said private capital is coming massively into the market. And I think we have to be clear about the definition of innovation. Innovation doesn't have to be disruptive. Innovation is not Archimedes coming out of his bath and saying, Eureka, and, and walking naked in the streets. Innovation can be something which you had in the past and which you do slightly better. And that slightly better might be already very different to the market. Look at the example you're giving. There's already tons of ways to measure bacteriological activity in water. But, yeah, but not in a second. The company you're yeah, saying that is the point, is, not in a second. Yeah, but that's my point. That's not disruptive. That is continuous innovation. And that's absolutely fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, don't think that it has to be a uber there will there will never be a uber in in the water sector it's not we are not this kind of sector and it's absolutely fine that way it's just that the unicorn we will see in the water world will be one of these i mean i, I said it because right now there's 925 unicorns when i did my video on the value of the water sector compared to tiktok i had looked at same statistic and it was 700 something so there's always more unicorns and most of them you don't know them i don't know them so there are lots of unicorns which are just a sign that something's happening in the market, but still 
it's not this kind of, you know, this, I can't remember the name of this Deca unicorn, which are reaching these 10 billions and then these 100 billions and we are creating new categories. I'm just saying there's something new in that sector. You don't have to necessarily go to Nasdaq or Dow Jones or wherever or being bought by the specialist company to buying company and to make a big profit over it and to have this structure of building up, stacking up like Evoqua or Xylem or Danaher. That's all I'm saying. Okay. You can't disagree with that. I, 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 think, I think we have different ways how we think about unicorns and as always. Okay, just okay. okay. Next, you know what? Let's discuss place. consolidation in the sector and I think that is your next bet. Yes, please. We will have a major change in terms of the EPC structure we have in Europe. We will have just four dominant players left on the market, which is Grundfos, Ski on Water, Veolia or the Sauer Group. And if you do not belong to one of these four, it will be definitely a hard time for you. And the chances that this will happen, they are pretty high. More than 90%. Watch out. Oh yeah, that's definitely something we see. And I mean, I mean, this is obviously, right? This is obviously, right? But maybe you have a different opinion on this. As no, actually, let's look at your list. Who did you mention? You mentioned Skion and Soar, which, has, which are privately owned, right? And you mentioned Grundfos, which is a foundation. So three out of your four, which you name as the future EPCs for 2022, are exactly like I said just in my bet before. So you agree with me? No, but I'm, I would never say these are unicorns. Come on. I mean, you are just saying unicorns because of the financial numbers. But I'm, and I think the definition for a unicorn is also, is this disruptive for the market? And not you only have because to look they have so much where you money. come from to understand where you're going. That's all I'm saying. No, but let's, I mean, we again discussing your perspective of the market. But let's say, let's have a different look. I mean, I'm, okay. I, mentioned, I, mentioned, I have a question for you. I mentioned these four. I mean, I mentioned, yeah, let, exactly. let, 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 let me put this in, in context. We put in context, uh, let's say we named Sour Group because their flagship is in IOS, is an IOS EPC. We mentioned Skion, their flagship are Ovivo, Aswell, and Varukami. We mentioned also Grundfos. I mean, we all know that they're acquiring the half, half market right now because, you know, predictive maintenance we talked about that wait 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 wait, wait. stop here right? stop here stop uh, okay. uh, i just have a question for you since when is grundfos an ebc well they will become one okay believe, believe me believe me i mean they already acquired you know euro water which is a small oem you know maybe a little epc for a tiny small market but believe me there's more to come for grundfos Okay, now you said too few or too much. <laughs> no, I mean, there's nothing official, but we all know that they are running over the market and looking for APCs, that's for sure. So they want to go into the market. It's the same with Vilo. Vilo has a different view and is going for a different level. But Grundfos is putting the big money on the table right now. I'd like to understand also your four EPC. You're saying that the market will be down at least in Europe to these four EPCs. Yes. What definitely. about all the other ones? They will, be, they will be dominated. And if you don't belong to the four, it will be a tough time. That's what That was my statement because, you know, look at this. Look at Skion. I mean, they have the municipal market. They have the industrial market with two APCs. They have even this is split it into process and wastewater. We have Grundfos, which will be the player number. We have Veolia, which can generally play the entire water, you know, application. And we have the Sour Group and the Sour Group is Nius. Even they, I mean, they are very focused on wastewater, but even they can do a lot of other things as well. So I mean, if you don't believe, if you don't belong to them, 
it will be tough for so you're saying if you're waterloo if you're suez you're in big trouble for 2022 i mean i mean wabak here in in europe doesn't play any role for sure i mean they play a big role in in switzerland maybe a little bit in austria but for the rest of the country they don't play a big role they are very strong in other countries especially in india because it's an indian company meanwhile so waterloo definitely will be a tough time for them that's the right example you picked yep and Suez? We don't know what will come with Suez. We have no clue. And I'm pretty sure because I have a French colleague and friend. He's updating me all the time about the news about Veolia, Suez and things like this. I'm pretty sure something today will happen. And he will tell us again about the news of Veolia and Suez. Okay, but let's stay for now on this question of yeah. what we see coming in terms of consolidation. I think that's my next bet. So let's move to that one. There are different winning strategies when you play Monopoly. Yet, in the real world, those strategies follow some fashion. For a while, the trend in the water sector has been on a combination of horizontal groups specializing in a certain section of the value chain, but across multiple industries, and of niche players specializing in the section and an industry. Yet, my bet is that next year, we will see a new vertical giant go against this trend and go from the grassroots hardware up to the most digital layer of services through the entire value chain. In the pure 19th century style cloud aside. Chances, 70%. So actually, what I'm saying here is that we might see a new giant which, we, which is going to go vertical, which if I take your list of four which you gave just before, would be the case, for instance, for Grundfos, if mm -hmm. we assume they become an EPC. I'm not mm -hmm. saying the giant will be Grundfos, I'm just saying that this strategy, which sounded to be a bit gone for a while, seems to be back with the vertical of going from really the bolts and nuts up to the services and to, to the operation. And, and that seemed to have vanished because if you remember in the 90s, that was a bit the business model of Veolia and Suez to say, okay, we go on the full vertical. And they had some difficulties with that. So, so they went a bit, I mean, Veolia stepped down from the, the equipment business and Suez somehow stepped down from the, the infrastructure business. So there, there were these this major elements. And now, I mean, I've been discussing on my podcast microphone with some startups who are really saying, okay, we go against all the advices and all the books and we start with the hardware and we try to build up. So I'm saying I don't have the one which is going to emerge because I do believe that the one which is going to emerge is most probably for next year going to be a series of M&A. So I guess Grundfos here is the usual suspect, but it's not the only one. And I would clearly see others going into that direction. What which do you one? think? Which one? Which one? And what? I mean, the, the question for me is a bit, why do you think there will become a real giant for the market? I mean, we see a little bit the consolidation. Yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff is ongoing at the moment. But let's say that we have a clear giant. Maybe the Veolia thing is, could be one of them. But let's say I don't really see this. Well, why do you think this? I think what changed everything on the vertical compared to the horizontal strategy, which was the dominant one for a while and is still mm -hmm. the dominant one, what changed everything is the importance of controlling your data from A to Z and to be able to leverage whatever small, very little signal you have on your bolts and nuts and to bring that up to the upper sphere of services. And you know, there's this trend right now to, to leverage all the buzzwords and all the winds and in, in the direction where they sail. Because if you look 
We had DBO, which was boring to everyone for 30 years. Now we call it water as a service and it was, everybody's like, wow, we can have mm -hmm. water as a service. Yeah, come on. That is <laughs> the business model of the water industry for a while. But if you start marketing it the right way, then the vertical really makes sense. And yeah, I mean, I don't but have... Say, but they, yeah, okay, got it. Got your point. Let's say, but it shouldn't be the suspect here in this case, then if you really think this will be the case, shouldn't be the suspect really Xylem? Yeah, that would be my other one. Let's imagine Xylem goes into process a bit more than they do today because they have this full vertical... I mean, it's always the same depending on who you talk with about Xylem. When you hear people, some of them love Xylem and then will tell you it is the example of the company and some others are a bit more on the hater side and say it's a pump company. So you have to find probably the in-between. But if Xylem was to do kind of the series of M&A they regularly do and this rotation of asset they regularly do, I wouldn't be surprised that Xylem becomes one of these giants because they have for them this culture of don't get me wrong with the term, but a Frankenstein of hmm. different parts of different kinds of, of pieces of the market. So Xylem would have been honestly my suspect if you hadn't said Kronfos just before. Okay. So what was your bet? 60% that we get a giant over the next year. To me, it's a matter of time. I'm sure it will happen. It's always That's a matter of time. But, but not necessarily next year. What but I'm but, saying... But, but you know that each and every bet you are p putting on the table, we bet about 50 bucks, right? So if you lose, you own me 50 bucks. Oh, I will own you a lot of money because I'm taking risk. I'm not saying COVID is going to be a problem, you know. I'm a bit more risky than that. No, but maybe it's important as well to understand what I mean by giant. Because what we call giant in the water industry, in another industry, would be a dwarf. I mean, you take a Veolia, you take it against Coca-Cola or Pepsi, it's a dwarf. It's not even uh, Brez Cola, to take an extreme example. What I want to say here is that it's a giant in the sense that it has a meaningful portion of that extremely scattered market. So a giant to me would be a company which is able to go to two or three percent of the market because that would be already pretty different from the way that market works. Okay, okay. Good. Let's see who the giant will be. Uh, it will be definitely interesting because we have seen so much over the last months, last two years. A lot of stuff was ongoing in terms of acquisition and merging and things like this. And I'm pretty sure 2022, we will see something unexpected. Let's see. What's Good. next? Let's go to your next bet. Water tariffs for next year will dramatically go up. And I'm not talking about 2, 3, 4, 5%. No, I'm talking about 20% plus. And the reason why? Simple. We actually do have a global crisis, right? So that means inflation at the moment. We're talking about 4 or 5% here in Europe, even more in North America. But that's just one reason. The other reason is that the electricity will go up dramatically. We are talking about 20 to 30% right now. So the prediction for next year is by more more than 80% that the water tariffs will dramatically increase. I have a question for you. When you say okay. the tariffs will dramatically increase, where? I mean, I'm in principle in Western Europe, definitely. In the Western world, sorry. Not only Western Europe. Because, I mean, look at... The, I mean, the, the numbers I was looking was just the inflation. Or let's say other way around. Let's take this entire story. Because I got <laughs> my tariffs in terms of electricity for next year. <laughs> and guess what? What happened? I have an increase in my electricity for next year of 25%. This is 
totally the same if I go into the inflation because the inflation in Germany is 5.2%. The inflation in Europe is 5%. The inflation in the US is more than 6%. But out of the inflation, if you just look to the energy, went up in Europe 28%, in the US 30%. And this goes in line with my bill I got for next year. So that's why I'm saying, and we all know that electricity or energy is a major driver for water production. And that's why the tariffs has to go up. That's why I'm saying this. Okay, the reason why I was asking is that if you're looking, you said Western world, so, so if you look at yeah. the US, in many cities, we are talking about doubling the tariffs. So you say 20%, you say 20% plus, so doubling would still be right. But I'm just saying that right now, there is a high speed increase of water yeah. tariffs. And I remember we had that discussion around, you know, value of water. And probably that's the most hated video on my YouTube channel when I'm saying <laughs> that water tariffs should go higher because in many places, and then people oppose me, the fact that, you know, in many countries, they simply don't have access to water. But to me, those are not antagonist things at all. So I'm not reopening the debate. I just wanted to frame it. And if people want to reopen that debate, let's not do it on that show. But whenever you want, I'd be very happy to take the time to explain <laughs> my point on that. Regarding the water tariffs, you're saying it's going to increase following electricity. Yeah. But is it a good or a bad thing? That, it, that they go up? Yeah. I mean, it's a bad thing because I have to pay more. Come on. <laughs> I mean, if I just look, you know, for, let's say, very short perspective, I mean, how could that be good? Give me one reason. I mean, who's getting the money? The electricity, not the water. Yeah, yes and no. Because whatever incentive you have to reduce your water use, to loop your water in your house, to, to, to reuse your gray water, to reuse the, the, the rainwater, whatever clever management of water you may do, I mean, all of that has a cost at the very beginning. And if you start by saying, okay, it is expensive to be unsustainable, then the most expensive it is to be unsustainable, the stronger the incentive is to become sustainable. Yeah, true. Very true. But let's say I definitely, I'm, I'm pretty sure that with, with this bet, I'm, you know, I'm very close to win my 50 bucks next year. I'm just taking that one because that is exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, what about the Middle East countries? I mean, and I'm not taking just that one. Don't worry, we will go to all the other ones. There's a lot of cool comments in the chat. What I want to say with that one is that is exactly to my point. Um, desalination used to be extremely expensive and it was extremely expensive there was an incentive you know to try to make the best out of every drop of water with the 60 to 70 percent of the world's installed installed base which is right now in the middle east well desalination went you know the story went drastically down in price and today we are at the point where in those places which are very arid which have very low levels of water we use quite a lot of water just because water became so inexpensive so i'm just saying Maybe the water tariffs rising is more of a good news than anything else. Because if you keep the things at their right magnitude, water, even if you are in the poorest area and the water is pretty expensive, it is still 4 to 5% of your income. You can afford it. You can afford it. So I'm just trying to put that into perspective because to me, and I know that is a debate where we all disagree and where I am a strong minority and I'm really happy to be a minority, 
I okay. see that as a good news when water okay, tariffs okay, okay, are rising. Okay. We, we got it. I think we can have an, a single episode just about this. Uh, and I know that you are pushing me hard to do this. But I just want to uh, say one more word to, to the Euros, Morris, who said, hey, just for the record, Waterloo is having record results. No, no, no. We take that one after. I've taken it. <laughs> because it's important to answer this, right? Because this goes not against what I said. I'm pretty sure Waterloo is a pretty cool company and they have record results. But it will be tough in future. That's all I'm saying. Good. So we have a lot of things to pick in the chat. So let's move oh, to yeah. our next bet. It looks like that the people are uh, becoming awake, right? The people are coming, <laughs> you know, <laughs> putting stuff into the chat. Let's jump to the next topic, please. Let me start by high-fiving the younger me when I started at Suez a decade ago. God, I'm old! One of my first presentations was about ballast water treatment. And let me tell you, it didn't age well. I was predicting a 53% compound annual growth rate for ballast water treatment technologies, which would become by 2020 a $34 billion annual market. Yet, I did not invent those numbers, which even downplayed the most optimistic provisions of market research companies. Those same market specialists now predict that what was supposed to massively take off in 2010 will actually do it in 2022. Hence, this bet, ballast water treatment is finally going to boom next year. Probability, one person again. So my point here is that we are making a show about the future and we are making ourselves look clever. Like, you know, we know the future. There's one thing, you know, theoretically, when you are launching um, a coin, there's one out of two chances that you bet the right side. When you look at the futurology and the futurologists, all the time when they predict something, their chances of being wrong is above 70%. <laughs> Just because sometimes you don't want to predict something obvious, you want to look clever, and that makes you predict stupid stuff. So ballast water to me is the typical example. I really recall every year there are three to 10 articles who say next year, the regulation is going to come into force. And when that comes, it's going to be billions. And I've seen companies investing heavily into that. And then whether divesting or going belly up and disappearing and others saying, hey, those guys were wrong because they invested 10 years too, too early. I'm going into it. And then exactly the same story, which is repeating and repeating. Ballast water treatment is something. And there are companies which are thriving in that sphere. And there is a lot of good things to do within ballast water treatment. But it's not going to change the world. That's my point. <laughs> you know, all I, all I can say is I 100% agree with you. <laughs> oh, we found a topic where you agree. There's nothing I can say against it because I have the same experience. Over and over, this topic comes on the table and nothing really happened. So why should something really happen next year? Never ever. This is one of the topics like, like you know, micropollutants will enter the entire world and it's a big topic. Yeah, it is a big topic since decades, meanwhile. And it is just, you know, important for a couple of areas over the world. But not for all. This is the same with Bellis Water. A little bit, but not for all. So 1%, I agree. I give you the 50 bucks. Just let's jump to the next. <laughs> 
next year there will be a disruptive technology which will challenge the incinerator market. Why is that? Because we all know that the sludge industry right now is under evaluation. We need to find in technology to get rid of the sludge because we can't bring them anymore to the fields. And right now we have just mono incineration who is dominating the market. I'm betting that next year there will be a disruptive technology who will challenge the incinerator industry. And the chances that this will happen? I think 10%. We are very conservative industry. Yeah. So everybody sees that we make the same jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, but you, you, you saw my video first, so you copied my joke, right? So anyway. Um, By the way, I saw your video and I saw the title that we had scheduled for that bet. And honestly, I'm not sure I understood it. Can you just explain your bet? My bet that a disruptive technology will come up next year to go into the sludge market against all the mono and, you know, incineration technologies. That's the link I don't understand, the link between sludge and incineration. Oh, okay. Pretty clear and pretty, you know, obviously that you don't get it again. The point is that, especially in Germany, we have a novelation until 2029 that you can't bring the sludge anymore to the field, that you can't use it anymore as fertilizer. And at the same time, you have to recover the phosphorus. So it's a clear way forward. It is written in law. So from 2029 on in Germany, it is by law that you can't do this anymore. So what to do with the sludge? Incineration is the most appropriate way because meanwhile, or let's say until now, 70% of the entire sludge, and we are talking about 1.4 a million tons of sludge will be incinerated. So that means about the 30%, which is 500,000 tons, they need to be a solution. So, and the clear way forward is due to the fact that we have, you know, we don't have the capacities, but on each and every corner, we find mono incineration technologies, or let's say not technologies, but plants where you can bring the sludge to, to burn it. And I think there are other pretty cool technologies like, you know, degassing, pyrolyzed, carbonization, which you can use also to, you know, to, to, to get rid of the sludge and to run more phosphorus out of it. But I think due to the fact that we're talking about Germany, we're talking about regulations, and that's why I think the chances are pretty, pretty low. Okay, Maybe so it might happen in the future, not next year, right? I think, honestly, I think mono incineration in general will win this run about, you know, a sludge, sludge treatment for Germany. And I mean, from there, it will come to, to the other countries as well. I mean, I'm pretty sure that in five, 10 years, the same law, the same principles will applied for other countries around Germany. Definitely. Okay. Last bet? Oh, is it last one? Okay, yeah. let's go. Last it. bet. It all started in July 2020, went into an epic battle and theoretically ended the 12th of April 2021 with the announcement of their agreement, Suez and Veolia will merge. Or will they? There is still a lawsuit ongoing on the role of the French presidency in the story and the European Commission's competition authority still has to give its green light, which is expected for next week. Yet, I'm betting that the merger will fail. Okay, I'm not totally nuts either, so I'm giving it a one-person probability. Still, tell me, what is Veolia winning? that story? I mean, there is the Zuez Veolia merge uh, story from Antoine again. Yeah, tell us why this will, why do you no, think this will happen? I, I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, if you look on the paper, it's still not done and I'm still not sure why they do it. So that was the reason why I have put that on the list. If you look, there's the lawsuit, there's the fact that uh, now they have to do a bit more of asset selling 
in order to comply with uh, the competition clauses. But come on, it's still happening. I don't see how now they... I mean, they've reached the non-return point, so it's going to happen. But I'm taking the opportunity here to say, you know, it's an open invitation. Antoine Frérot, I know you're watching this. Bertrand Camus, you're watching this as well. Just give us a call. We take you on that microphone and we want to understand why that merger and what's in it. What will it become? Because honestly, I might be stupid, but... I'm still not sure I understood that one. So that was the reason why I've put the let's bet say, let's say Let's take another bet. I mean, it's a little bit out of what we have discussed, but why not taking the bet? How long would it last? How long this merger will last? What do you think? I mean, there's never an, you know, there's let's say other way around. There's always an ending for this. So when will this happen? When they will split again? When someone else will come over and say, hey, I take the Zeus part, I take the Veolia part. What do you think? What is your bet on this? I don't see that happening at all. I've seen, I think, you know, some parts are called Suez today, were called Veolia in the past, will be called Suez again in the future. I mean, it's not like monolithic companies which are doing the same thing for 200 years. They have been moving and their assets have been moving over these two centuries. So I don't see that group vanishing and disappearing. If I was to look at something which is really exciting to me, it's what is the new Suez going to do? Because the new Suez is not like mm. a dwarf neither. It's the number three in the world. And it's like, you know, they're starting off fresh. Of course, they're losing very important parts of the group, not discussing that. But they have an opportunity to reshape something. When you were working for Suez, and I was working for Suez for a while, it wasn't like you had a chance to change everything and to turn the tables. No, it's like, you know, they had they used to have an arm and a foot, and those are gone. So they have one <laughs> arm left and one foot left, and they have the ability to decide what they want to regrow. Maybe it's another arm, or maybe it's something new. So I would be kind of looking forward what's happening there. But let me not ramble too much on Suez. Let's take a bit on uh, what we have into the chat and i've seen one very interesting one which was about do we have a bet on atmosphere generated water technology i was so i was so pretty sure that you picked this out because this is definitely your topic so i leave the stage yours <laughs> it's not my topic by essence it is your topic you're always coming with this if you have our editorial meetings you're always saying hey we have to talk about this we have to talk about this well Here it is. now it is your stage you have two minutes come on <laughs> So let me just reframe what it is. Right now, uh, as we speak, if you've ever been to Geneva, you've seen the Geneva Lake, and there's about two times the Geneva Lake, which is floating in water above our heads at any point of time. So it's like a lake of water, which you can tap into if you have the right technology. And the right technology happens to be not that complicated when you think of it. If you've ever seen uh, a cooling unit, Next to the cooling unit, you have some water, some condensate, and that's exactly how you produce water from air. So the base mm -hmm. technology is simple. There's water everywhere. The full question is how efficient it is. And, you know, I've been discussing that with Nafkaran Singbaga on my microphone on the podcast, uh, how ACFO is doing that. And what he was showing, and I was not just repeating his marketing, I just watched the figure, and it's that it's more efficient in terms of cost than bottled water. But that opens another debate. Are people more keen to drink bottled water than atmospheric generated water? That's another question. And you were discussing of these companies which are heavily funded. One of the most funded water companies right now is Source Global, which used to be called, I think, Zero Mass Water. Mm -hmm. And they are doing distributed atmospheric water generation. So they use solar panels. So they're fully off-grid. They were roasted by Global Water Intelligence, which was... Um, 
mm. naming them the most inex- inefficient water technology there is on Earth. So that is one thing. Why all this hate? I remember and the title. Why all on, this hate? Yeah. On the other end, they are backed by by Bill Gates, Jack Ma, and Jeff Bezos. So mm. I guess when you have this kind of backing, whether you're very good at fundraising or <laughs> there must be something in your technology. So honestly... Oh, I'm making so many calls today, but if someone from Source Global wants to come on that same microphone in between Bjorn and me to discuss the point, we'd be interested. But just to say, yeah, there are various shades of gray. Is it the future? Honestly, it's the present. Those technologies exist and they are not that um, rocket science. So would it be a solution for places which have electricity and don't have water? Probably. Yeah, interesting point. I would like also to to highlight a little bit uh, a statement from David Pitt. He said water and wastewater efficiency should be penalized, carrot and stick. And we mean he was somehow fighting against with Sheldon in our chat. But I mean, the idea that someone gets penalized due to the fact that he's not using the most efficient technology for his water or wastewater is an interesting, isn't it, Antoine? So you get penalized due to the fact that you're not using the best technology for treating the wastewater. How is that? I mean, I'm talking about the industry. I'm not talking about households. I mean, let's talk about really the industry. To penalize them if they're not using, I don't know, the latest membrane technology to get the most efficient you know, treatment out of the wastewater. What do you think about that? I think that comes back to the question of how much you believe in the market. Because if you believe in the market and if you believe in this invisible hand of markets like Adam Smith was preaching, hmm. then you don't need to penalize anybody because the cost of water is going to be self-regulating all of that. Now, fact is that this cost and value of water doesn't work as smoothly as it should. So I wouldn't say I'm a blind believer of Adam Smith. <laughs> then going and, and penalizing people for not using the right technology. I mean, who decides what's the, what's the right technology? Yeah, that, that's, that's a fair point. That's, that's a definitely a fair point. Why not, why not giving them, let's say, a benefit if they're using a very efficient technology? I think this way around could work even better instead of penalizing them. But they so have a benefit. It's, it's, it's the same we have now, right, with the va- vaccination, right? If you have your two shots or three shots, you can go to a restaurant. If you don't, you can't. So you get a benefit that you have your shots. I'm not, I don't want to have the discussion whether it's good or wrong. I just want to say, hey, this is a little bit the driver, which we could also have for our industry that we say, hey, if you're using the most latest technology and if you take care about water and wastewater treatment and recycling, you should get a benefit out of this. So that would be the right way. I think it would a little bit turn or let's speed up our industry. Definitely. I think there, there's one element here, which is... Um, because honestly, you already get the benefit. If you're using the latest technology, then chances are that the efficiency is paying you. The question is, what is the return of, on, on, on investment yeah, for you your investment? On that. If you don't have the money, right? If you don't have the money to invest, then you can't get the latest. So I can't that get... That's my point. I can't, exactly get, I can't afford point. a Tesla because the Tesla's pretty expensive right now. Even if that would be the best technology for our environment at the moment we have. Yeah, but the question to me here is how liquid is the market how can we help people to invest and i don't think we shall penalize or we shall subsidize i think we shall make money available and right now money is like the cheapest it ever was so it's of a golden opportunity you should be if you have the project to to make a a, a very clever solution which is reusing the water which is you we don't have to 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 subsidize you for doing that because on the long run it is going to be cash positive for you but what you need at the 
time of you start the initiative is you need to have sufficient investment money. And that is something which you see with the, the Water Credit Initiative from Water.org, which is helping the, 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 the poorest country to do exactly that, which you see with the development banks in, in many countries, which is helping them to do exactly that, and which I hope will be the end, the end idea of the infrastructure bill in the US and of the big plans which are r- ruled out right now in Europe. It's make money available for people who want to do good. And don't be philanthropic with it. It doesn't have to be a subsidy. People will pay back because, I mean, energy costs are not going down anytime soon. And no, water costs are not going down neither anytime soon. So I think without blindly believing in markets, you can still believe in them sufficiently to just make money, ideas, regulation, background available for people to go into those latest technology and still strive. True. Pretty true. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, this is yeah, this is what I said, right? Gasification, pluralizes. There, there are other technologies who are more efficient, who are more, you know, especially in terms of phosphor recovery. You get much more phosphor recover. Uh, you can much more recover phosphor with other technologies if you just go away from incineration. But look at, I mean, who's positioning at the market? I mean, look at Veolia, look at Verlin, look at uh, Skion Water with Eliquo. They all position at the market with a kind of incineration technology because they see there's a market for the municipalities. So they are coming up with something and deliver this, what the market is going for. And they are all in terms of incineration, mostly, unfortunately. I just highlighted the, the comment from Ryan because it, it goes into what, what, what we were saying. Some stuff is existing that goes a bit in the same direction than Badass Water Treatment, by the way. But more generally speaking, because I'm looking at the time, I think what you're saying about the incineration and the resource recovery leads us to something different, which we didn't cover at all because I don't see that happening next year, but that is going to happen in the next decade. And I've seen Blue Tech Research making a strong bet on that. And I couldn't agree more than to say that everything they explain makes a lot of sense to me. It's the, the zero carbon the zero carbon element, because right now the water industry, because of the electricity by, by a big amount, energy in general, the water sector is contributing, depending on the countries, between three and five percent to, to this global carbon. Mm-hmm. When you think of it, it's about double the size from the, the flight industry. So we hear a lot about how much we should not take planes if we can avoid it. We don't hear that much about how we should be more efficient in our water management, <laughs> which might be, in terms of magnitude, still pretty similar. If you think of pumps, I think there was a Grundfos study, which is saying that 10% of the world's energy is going into pumps. So maybe there's also some things to do there. And if that comes as a burden that countries say, hey, by the way, when we say zero carbon, it's zero carbon, not zero carbon, except for the water industry. That means that the water industry also has to do something. And probably this resource recovery, this heat recovery, this clever water management will play a strong role. Unfortunately, I don't know for Bjorn, but I don't see that happening in 2022, no. <laughs> rather in the next decade. Yeah, most probably. All right. I mean, that, that, but that means a little bit we are coming to an end due to the fact that you was talking so much. We have, you know, we have overcome the, the one hour. Unfortunately, most probably because of the Zeus Veolia thing. Is there anything you want to highlight? Because you are Let's looking, go like, you are looking like this. You're looking like this. Very short about the news, just to say that we know there's a name for the new CEO of Suez. It's Sabrina Soussan, who's the actual... Uh, CEO of Domacaba, so she will become the CEO of, of the new Suez by January. I just wanted to highlight that, not to talk of, always about Vilja and Suez, but just because it's a woman. 
And um, maybe there are other countries which are a bit more progressive than that. But in, in France, it's by far not the rule that women get this kind of leadership role. So I'm, I'm pretty happy that they took the opportunity with all everything we know about this merger and everything to, to put back a, a woman in charge because that same group was a bit forward-looking in the past, having Isabelle Cochet as, as their CEO, who didn't last that much as a CEO of GDF Suez. So it's good to see that the, the idea that we shall see some diversity and to have this kind of equal places for male and female, that this comes back in the play and that, that they, they appointed a woman as a CEO, which is, by the way, if you look at her, at her path, it's the traditional path you would expect from a CEO. So the thing you can pick as the only thing which is a bit distinctive is that she's a woman. But yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting that you are uh, highlighting this. That let's say it's it's very uncommon, you know, for France that you have a woman in charge. I mean, I mean Germany is. I mean, <laughs> I would never say this, but Germany, you know, was leaded, gone, was, was leaded by gone. a woman last sixteen years, right, and was not so bad. So maybe sometimes you should more often look over to your neighbors. Anyway. Okay, do you have some news instead of of, of trying to make fun of me? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, in principle not. But anyway, there was something new I just read yesterday that Zandiba announced a kind of post-COVID rebranding strategy. This was pretty exciting for me because this island has 1.7 million inhabitants and until today just 36% is connected to the water. Households are just connected to the water. And the ambition goal is that they installed or they will install until 2023 20 megawatt of installation to have a complete supply with sustainable energy for their water. So the entire water system, so entire water supply will be with sustainable energy with solar power. And that's pretty ambitious and pretty cool. I like it. Other than that, I mean, the, the news are, I mean, we have the water show. Yeah, cool. We have an own webpage. You can, you can, if you like, you can also get the max. We have some merchandising at the article. Join us and follow us on LinkedIn, especially. We have a LinkedIn page for the water show. This will be a bigger thing for future. And I bet in 2022, we will double our capacity, our followers and everything with the water show. Thanks for watching. I, I share your conclusion. It was a pleasure to share that, uh, that episode with you again, Bjorn. And um, see, let's see all of you next month. Next month, Merry Christmas. Enjoy the time. Have a good, you know, new year. And yeah, hope to see you soon in January. Fresh and healthy and with new energy. Thanks for watching. Bye, everyone. Thanks for joining. Thanks again. Thank you.